It's all the files of the whole park. It tells you everything. Sir, he's uploading the virus. Eagle One, the package is being delivered. Well, it's a hell of a time to be alive. After a brutalizing pandemic, fit with stay-at-home orders and government indecision, something else happened. The remarkable scenes that have been unfolding in cities across this country yet again. Protests over the death of George Floyd while in police custody now in their eighth night, including right here in New York City. The cold-blooded murder of unarmed black man George Floyd by a white cop in Minneapolis has set off unprecedented protests demanding racial equality and an end to police violence against people of color. But instead of quelling these protests with actionable change, it appears the government is just spying on them. We've got evidence that now the infamous military-industrial complex and its surveillance superpowers are being deployed against protesters across the country. Motherboard reporter Joseph Cox has more. Reporting to you from my kitchen in New York, I'm Ben Maku, and this is Cyber. So Joseph, welcome back to the show. Thank you. Are you enjoying your quarantine? <laughs> yeah, there is still a global pandemic, even though um, obviously we're all thinking about protests and surveillance. It turns out there is still uh, this horrible thing going around. So yeah, but I'm, of course, I'm okay. Thank you. But it's truly sort of these unprecedented times became even more unprecedented. And, you know, not to go into the entire issue, but we know that, you know, this horrific murder of George Floyd, an unarmed black man by a police officer in Minneapolis, has set off protests and riots across the country for good reason. And now we find ourselves in a position where potentially the power of the military industrial complex at least the surveillance wing of it, is coming down on protesters and citizens because of it. Yeah. So as you say, the protests happening in Minneapolis and there's all the, the sort of normal surveillance you would expect, right? Obviously, there are police on the street. Of course, they're going to have their own tools. Um, what aviation experts saw and then we verified there was, first of all, Customs and Border Protection flew a predator drone over the city during the protest. Now, when you hear predator drone, you may more commonly associate that with terrorism, with hunting suspects overseas. Um, but something that some listeners or readers may not know is that, yes, these are flown domestically as well they are. along the border, but then also a, a bit more inside the country as well. Uh, and that's what happened here. It, it flew down from the border to the city, did a few laps, presumably for surveillance, uh, and then returned to its base. After we covered it um, Customs and Border Protection did confirm to us, yes, that they did deploy the drone at the request of a unidentified uh, federal law enforcement partner or partners. Um, so that really happened. And that's, it, it just goes to show that you always talk about sort of these technologies and how the threat of them, you know, could eventually turn on to American citizens or American cities. Um, and that's just the first case of seeing what is actually happening right now. And I'm not I'm not going to hold back. I mean, it's incredibly alarming that we're seeing this um, technology flipped like this onto the vast majority of peaceful protesters. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's incredibly off putting. Uh, I will say, like you like you noted, there has been a history of this before. Predator drones have been flown as surveillance aircraft in the United States. Specifically on the Canadian border, it's happened before. I also believe also in the on the Mexican border, 
they're just unarmed. They're not, you know, they don't have a hellfire missile on them, mm -hmm. but it's still, you know, it's the same thing. It's this, it's this concept of military hardware being turned on citizens, especially when you have something like president Trump coming out recently and saying Antifa or anti-fascist uh, activism needs to be designated a terrorist organization. Now you're having certain members of Congress saying, let's, let's go after the terrorists like we do in the Middle East, like the Antifa ones here in America. And you're starting to see this sort of this entire issue spiral into something that I think people like you and I have been concerned about. Yeah. And it didn't, and it didn't end there, did it? No, no, absolutely not. We just published a piece um, showing that, well, I mean, for the past several days, I've been monitoring a lot of flight data along with um, other security researchers and sort of um, specialists who track these sorts of aircraft. Uh, and we found that above Washington, D.C. and Vegas uh, on Tuesday evening's protests, there were um, RC-26Bs, which is a type of military surveillance aircraft. It's been used in Iraq, uh, in Afghanistan. They're sometimes used to survey for damage during floods or natural disasters. But here, they've been repurposed to surveil above cities where protests are happening. Uh, and they have infrared cameras, or they previously have been equipped with that sort of technology. Um, so that is shocking, according to um, people I spoke to, security researchers who monitor this sort of thing. Um, and that's sort of probably the main development, is the introduction of this military aircraft. And then, of course, you also do have the FBI flying its own smaller aircraft and local forces as well. Um, it's very difficult to say, of course, because of the veil of secrecy around these sorts of operations. Um, but they are likely equipped with some form of surveillance technology. And security researchers I spoke to uh, believe there may be something called a dirt box, which is essentially a stingray put into a plane, which, um, as many listeners will know, is a technology that can trick your phone into connecting to it because it poses as a fake cell phone tower and then gets your phone's unique identifying code and potentially text messages and voice calls as well. Of course, this all depends upon the version, whether it was deployed, that sort of thing. There are a lot of variables, uh, but people think it's likely that sort of technology is being deployed. So it's everything from the military reconnaissance planes down to the federal enforcement, down to local uh, forces. Like uh, I spoke to an authority in Portland that confirmed that they have a plane and we saw them flying it in the, fl in the uh, flight data. And this is also, you know, on top of all of the technologies we know these police departments have had over the last few years that Motherboard has reported on, stuff like Palantir, that mm -hmm. they, they could easily use in these situations as well, stingrays, et cetera. It's just, it's almost as if all of the, the millions and millions of dollars to sort of fit and tech out our police forces as military wings of the government has also now extended to actually employing the military to do some of this. Right. Yeah. I mean, this is something that, you know, technologists, activists, and of course, to some extent, journalists have uh, written about or touched upon, or on the activism side, probably more, you know, vocally warned about for years, that if you develop these technologies, they may be turned onto um, domestic citizens and residents. And of course, some people will fob that off. We are seeing that um, right now with the deployment of these technologies. And it's not as if it's limited just to, you know, well, the local police, they don't have access to these tools, so they can't do it. A report in BuzzFeed News, which just came out, showed that the DEA sought authorization 
from the DOJ to assist in enforcement against the protests. So this is an explicitly, you know, drug-focused organization. They do money mm-hmm. laundering, they do that sort of thing, but it always relates back to drugs. Here, they've now been given, according to BuzzFeed authorization, to act against the protests as well. And as you touched upon with all these other technologies, the DEA is one of the most technologically advanced law enforcement agencies in the US. I mean, these are the ones that have previously bought hacking team to break into phones. We've got emails where they had discussions with NSO group, even if they didn't buy the technology. They've used um, sophisticated interception technology uh, abroad, as well as, um, you know, not not just domestically. So the fact that they're pivoting around, presumably with all of their technological tools as well, to be able to apply these to protests is um, alarming. Well, it's just, I mean, look at, the, look at their targets normally, right? They're going from... <laughs> hyper-sophisticated drug cartels to protesters on the streets of New York and L.A. and everywhere in Minneapolis, etc. It's not, it almost seems completely unmatched. (laughs) Yeah, it does, of course, bring up the question that is this a a proportionate response to mostly peaceful protests? Is, Is it proportionate to not just have local law enforcement or even states, but to bring in a federal agency that usually has nothing to do um, with enforcing laws against protesters, is that proportion? Uh, is that proportionate? Is it appropriate? Um, those are the sorts of questions that this um, authorization is going to bring up, and also, of course, the deployment of this technology uh, in the skies as well. Yeah, and I know that there was there was certainly there was talk that the NSA was involved, and it was disputed by the governor's office. And I'm not sure if I believe that something like that is happening, but you know, it, it certainly makes you wonder exactly what what power of surveillance is being deployed and the stuff that we do know about which you've you've uncovered is already frightening enough i I wonder about the stuff we don't know about right exactly i would just stress that we only know about this because some of the flight data is public right this is Mm -hmm. um uh, a website or a service adsb exchange where they you know, have sensors run by volunteers around the world and around the country to collect this sort of information. Um, if that service wasn't there, we wouldn't know about it, or services in general. And of course, not all military or law enforcement planes or aircraft are broadcasting their signal. You know, the, that doesn't happen all the time, of course. So there are more likely than not other aircraft that we don't know about, that we don't see in that data. Um, so we're just kind of fortunate that we do get this brief window to look at this ramping up of surveillance uh, in the country, but it's certainly not a representative or complete picture by any means. No, and this is something we're going to c- continue to follow uh, in the coming weeks because these protests don't look like they're they're going to be going away anytime soon. So mm-hmm. Joseph, thank you for coming on the show again. Thank you. Appreciate it. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast.
Hello, Jason. Hey, Ben. How you doing? I'm really exhausted and tired, uh, as I'm sure many of our listeners are. It's been a difficult week for America, <laughs> and yeah, yeah, on top of a pandemic. Yeah, I, well, the way I put it to JoJo was uh, the unprecedented times managed to become even more unprecedented. Yeah, that the, there's <laughs> yet more. There, there. Uh, so Gita ran a post this week about the cool zone. Have you, do you know what the cool zone is? I have. I have read it. Yeah, it's very good. It's very good. It, it does feel like we're in the cool zone. For anyone who doesn't know what the cool zone is, is it's uh, a time of history that is cool to read about but sucks to live through. Yes. It's, I thought that was very well put because it's exactly how I feel. Yeah. I mean, it's like, hopefully even, this is the start of like, you know, big change, but yes, it's uh, exhausting. Yes, it's exhausting. And I, I really do hope it is because I, I think we can all admit that America has a systemic problem with white supremacy, something I report on myself daily. And obviously it's come through in the way that George Floyd was viciously murdered by a police officer in Minneapolis and the protests that have come from it since, you know, I really, we're all hoping and trying that this is actually going to be a breakthrough. Yeah. <laughs> Spoken yeah. like a true Canadian, by the way. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I'm not sure if you've been to any of the protests, but I, I've been to a few of them, you know, covering them and, and walking I have as well, them yeah. and it's like pretty inspiring to see. So, I mean, I, I hope that this energy continues and, uh, and results in some sort of change, you know? Yeah, absolutely. The protests have been really inspiring. Um, and there's so many people. It's it, And the consistency of it is just really impressive. Yeah, we're we're in Brooklyn. I'm in Brooklyn. And like, you know, people marching through the streets, blocking traffic, like sitting down, kneeling, etc. Like I haven't seen anything violent at the moment. It's been very tense, but it hasn't been been violent. And I, I know that, you know, there's been police violence in a lot of these protests, like all over the country. So I don't know. I'm just like one dude who was walking around for a few hours a couple times, but it it's what I've seen has been like, you know, pure rage and uh and people who are fed up with 400 years of white supremacy and and saying it's time to change and I like I haven't I haven't seen any evidence of like outside agitators or anything like that, but also like I said, you know, country's a big place. There's been a lot of protests. Exactly. Exactly. Okay, so let's go to something that is both funny, cathartic, and very serious. It's one of yours. And I, I did see this as well, and it was, it was quite satisfying. Uh, L.A. residents roasting the LAPD <laughs> in a Zoom call. Yeah, I mean, this was extremely heartening to see. Um, it's like Los Angeles has one of, the, Los Angeles Police Department has one of the worst records on police brutality. I think more people have died in police custody or at the hands of police in Los Angeles than maybe any other city. I, I'm not exactly sure, but but the numbers are I mean, cue the LA riots. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's like, you know, there's a long history of police violence there um, that is extended to the present day. And there's been protests there. Like, I think at one point they wanted to have a curfew that was like noon or 1 p.m., just like a ridiculously early curfew. And so, you know, people there are really fed up. And um, the police commission there had a public meeting about the protests. And so there was like a 30-minute, you know, prepared statement segment. And then it was just like six straight hours of residents calling and just 
like roasting the police like mercilessly like resign just ruthlessly. like resign ruthlessly. you know um you know defund the police like who do you serve that type of thing and it's like it was really inspiring to see because all of this was very powerful these people were only given one minute to speak and many of them said uh you know more coherent things in one minute than we've heard from our elected leaders and from the police and all over the country and so it's like people see what's happening and and they're furious about it and like you can kind of scroll to any minute of that uh that like very long video and just like find something gold you know like i was watching it for over an hour yesterday did you did you watch any of it I did. Yeah, I did. It was, it was good. It was quite good. I was more so, I was actually just like surprised they allowed this to happen. I know. So it's, it's like one thing that, um, you don't really get at like an in-person meeting because you can't have like thousand people, you know, at a, at a meeting, like people are just aren't going to show up uh, in those sorts of numbers. But because it was a zoom call, like one of the good things zoom seems to have enabled is like people were just sitting on hold for like hours and like, I can't believe they let it go on for so long. Like I, I caught it at the six hour mark and someone was like, yeah, like we should probably wrap this up soon. And like, they were continuing to go. So I don't know how much longer it went, but it was. Yeah, it's impressive. Very powerful. It was very powerful. Uh, it, it was very powerful. Kind of a, yeah. I mean, get on it for me, for, for it happening. <laughs> Period. Yeah. Uh, so the next one, something definitely people need to realize is don't order delivery while this police riot is happening or just any of them, really, because most of the time when you're getting an essential worker sending you this, regardless of the fact that we've got COVID-19 still still lying around, although we're getting good numbers in New York. So thank God for that. Yeah, these are mostly people of color who are who are employing these jobs and you're putting them at risk. Yeah. So it's like we know that police. uh I think a good corollary here is when New York City was implementing like social distancing guidelines, the NYPD was asked to enforce that. And the citations that they filed were something like 92% against black people and people of color. And um, it's like people of color have different interactions with the police than white people do. And so if you have people delivering you food after curfew like they might technically be allowed to be out there but you know these curfews have been implemented in ways that don't make a lot of sense they've been implemented very uh like quickly and they've also been like individual police have wide latitude to implement them as they wish and so you you're probably putting you could be putting someone at, at risk by ordering food uh after curfew or, or near curfew. We've also seen that, uh, I think in San Francisco, there's not great nationwide data on this, but like in San Francisco, uh, delivery people are, th- are I think, 82% people of color. So it's like, I would expect similar numbers in, in other cities as well. And so it's like, you know, just make food during these next few days. Yeah, just make food. It's not going to kill you. Yeah. <laughs> Just get some um, uh, some pizza bagels or something. Yeah. All right. So the last one, Anna Merlin, the great Anna Merlin, conspiracy theorist. We're not conspiracy theorist, but conspiracy experts theorist expert on conspiracy de- yeah. bunker extraordinaire. Yeah, she's she's the shit. Uh, she kind of just traced the NYPD's, NYPD's claim that 
looters put bricks on a Brooklyn corner. And this was actually tweeted out by the commissioner of the NYPD, am I right? Yeah, so the commissioner of the NYPD tweeted out a video of cops picking up bricks out of a blue, like, plastic bin and was like, you know, outside agitators brought these in. This is what our police are facing. And it's the video is taken in broad daylight, like no one's around. But the implication is that, like, Antifa or some violent group brought in bricks so that... uh looters could throw them through windows or throw them at cops and like this is something that we've seen repeated over and over again this video is viewed more than one million times but we uh, using open source intelligence were able to figure out where the these bricks were and it was in a neighborhood called gravesend which is in deep south brooklyn it's like one neighborhood over from the ocean and it's miles and miles and miles away from any of the protests that we've seen. We called up the, um, you know, we called up all the businesses nearby and they're like, yeah, we saw these bricks, but like, we don't know who put them there. And also there's been no protests and no looting around here. So like, they clearly weren't effective in any way. And I don't know, there's been a lot of like conspiracy theorists who think that the police put them there as like a false flag. I don't really know. We can't like investigate that claim right now, but it seems just as likely as like Antifa put bricks on a random corner in a in a quiet neighborhood in Brooklyn to throw at cops. Like there's no one, there's been no protest activity whatsoever in that neighborhood. So it doesn't make any sense. It really doesn't. I, I mean, we, we have no conclusive evidence that they were planted there by the NYPD, we should probably note, but yeah, it's definitely strange as hell. Yeah, I mean, I, I it's I have no idea. Like, it's also New York City where you walk around and there's like random stuff on the side of the road all the time. Like, it, it's <laughs> entirely possible that it was just there. And like, yeah, it's also just like this. The Brooklyn is just like the capital of like tripping on sidewalk. Yeah, shit. exactly. It's yeah, like construction is everywhere. I just don't. I mean, I don't even know what to say because I I wasn't there, but it's like. I don't know. I I was rocking around yesterday and I saw like 10 CRT TVs and like various like tables and stuff that people had put out because people just put their stuff on the sidewalk to get picked up. Like I I just I don't know what happened here, but it's if it was a a tactic intended to like increase looting, it was a really stupid tactic to just like put it on a random quiet neighborhood 7.1 miles away from the like nearest big protest you know yep so well investigate yeah, it's just investigate, investigate. investigations investigative journalism jason yeah okay good okay good well, how, how are you doing i hope you're doing good i'm all right you know i'm all right it's this whole this whole experience is quite tiring but you know yeah. i have a lot to be thankful for and there's a lot of work that needs to be done to uh, have equality across this country <laughs> yeah all right we'll see you next week see you next week traffic jams tailgating pile-ups oh the joys of driving how could it get worse the federal government wants to have a say in what you drive that's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. 
Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.